Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Durr. And in today's show, I am joined by 13-year-old Mason Springer. Now, Mason is not your typical 13-year-old. In just a few hours spending time with him down at the Total Archery Challenge in Seven Springs, I learned more from him than I have from most grown men. And he can outshoot most grown men. So this conversation was all about how Mason is setting his bow up to compete in indoor and outdoor archery, as well as how it differs from his hunting setup. We talk about release aids. We talk about arrows. We talk about sights. We talk about stabilizers, everything that you can think of to make yourself a better archer. It's in this conversation with Mason. Now, when I say he can outshoot most grown men, John Dudley himself challenged Mason to a hundred yard plus shot. I think it was 108 yards and Mason beat him. This kid is the real deal. You may have heard his dad on a lot of the Exodus content, Ryan Springer. He was a guest of Whitetail Cribs, also a guest on the Exodus podcast. He talks about the Ohio big buck divide. The entire family is absolutely amazing. If you guys enjoy this episode with Mason, good news. I now have a new archery coach and it's a 13 year old. Mason Springer. So I'm going to be spending some time with him over the next couple months and he's going to make me a better archer and I am so ecstatic. Just from the few hours that I spent with him at the booth and Total Archer Challenge, I learned a ton. He's going to completely set my bow up for me and he's going to get me shooting way better. Before I dive into this podcast, just a quick announcement. The Exodus eight-year anniversary sale is still live, but only for a short time. So the code DG makes you eligible for 25% savings on the entire Exodus website. We do have a couple rivals left, a couple renders left. We are completely sold out of the SP18 solar panel, but you can also save 25% on some new gear and the Exodus MMT arrows. So just go to the website, use the code DG at checkout and save 25% off of anything on the Exodus website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. A couple more things here. The Total Archery Challenge in Michigan is this weekend. Exodus will be there. We have a booth. Come by, say hey. And that leads me into the next announcement. The Exodus NIS 204 diameter hunting arrow will be featured at that show. So we have it in our hands and we will be releasing them very soon. And if you want to get your hands on them before anybody else, stop by the booth Total Archery Challenge in Michigan. All right, guys, enough of that. Let's hear from Mason Springer. everyone welcome back to another episode of the deer gear podcast today i am at the total archer challenge day four last day here in pennsylvania we had a pretty big weather shift i'm a little cold so forgive me but today i'm joined by a very special guest mr mason springer you guys may have heard his dad ryan springer on the exodus podcast or seen the trophy room and i think there's a picture of you on the fridge that yeah. was showed. So I think I was in that Whitetail Cribs show. Yeah. Just a scene, couple scenes of me there. But right. Yeah. So you can go uh, watch that if you want to learn more. But today, we're going to talk about archery because Mason is uh, taking Ohio by storm, and you're ready to take on the rest of the world here. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've shoot a lot of competition archery. Um, been hunting for years um, with crossbow to just recently switch to compound um and yeah i've i've really uh really been taking it to another level with, when it comes to uh competition here so let everyone know a little bit about yourself how old you are where you're from 
Yeah, so um, my name's Mason Springer, like you said, and um, from Ohio, Central, South Central Ohio, uh, 13 years old. So, um, you know, just started shooting compound two years ago, just under two years. That yeah. is absolutely incredible. So shooting a bow for two years and um, the progression hasn't been very long. I will say that. Yeah, I started... Uh, you know, just a couple years ago, sitting around, uh, it was, you know, around Christmas time. I never really did any, you know, traditional sports through school school or anything. And uh, I sit in there. Mom's like, hey, you need to get into a sport. And I'd been talking about, you know, basketball, but I'd, I was never really interested in it. So mom brings up the subject. Hey, why don't you get back into archery? Because dad, he, um, he was actually into archery quite a bit 20 years ago. Um, he shot all the IBO stuff. He won the nationals a couple times, placed third in the world. Um, he was, um, he was pretty good back in the day. He got out of it, um, you know, as life goes. And, um, so yeah, sitting around there, mom's like, Hey, why don't you get back into archery? And, um, so dad, dad sits there and he thinks on it for a couple of days and he's like, that sounds like that'd be pretty good. Cause you know, I'm not sitting in the, uh, sitting in the stands every Saturday watching him play a game that he doesn't even like. So, um, and he can, he can do it with me. That was the biggest thing. So, um, yeah, so we ended up getting back in. He had bought me a, uh, old Pearson bow, uh, Pearson youth bow before I was even born. And, um, so I shot that and, uh, shot it for actually a while, you know, eight months or so, um, all through the summer, just went into the bow shop there, uh, shot indoor league for, um, you know, that whole year and, um, or season, I should say, um, did, you know, as a, somebody who's been shooting for three months would do. And, uh, yeah. And then shot, you know, one 3d shoot that summer. Uh, but yeah, just practice, you know, a few times a week. That's, that's really a good place to start. You know, I've, I've found since then that to just to stay at the level you're at, you need to shoot three plus times a week. Um, and then to gain on that course is, you know, every day is what I'm shooting now. Um, just to, you know, gain and get better. But yeah, so since then I've, you know, shot indoor a lot this winter. Um, and at the bow shop, I went out to, um, the Lancaster Archery Classic, um, did, you know, fairly good there. Um, shooting an old, old, uh, Matthews Apex, 42 inch axle to axle, huge bow. Um, but it shot really good for me. Um, out at Lancaster, and then since then I picked up a uh, PSE Super RTX. Um, really loved that bow. I I shot it here at uh, Indoor Nationals in Louisville, and um, you know a couple Ohio archer shoots. Um, yeah, once we get to that topic here, uh, I actually got three state records there in my class, um, and then almost a fourth, but I didn't sign up you know, in the right class. That's what they said. You registered as like a guest or something. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't I give it to you. Yeah. They didn't give it to me, which is okay, but sure. Yeah. You know, you won. Yeah. I know I won. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you do some, a lot of tinkering. You're a tinker. You like to play around out in the garage. And I mean, they said you'll be out there for just hours messing with things. So I want to talk about what you've kind of learned from setting up your own bow to get it to shoot for how you're shooting. And I mean, just, coming to the show and looking at your setup, I'm amazed by how you are getting your arrows to fly the way you are, what you're doing to them. So I want to learn more about that. You have some, uh, your long range shooter, you shoot yeah. some long range, so you're doing some different things to get mm -hmm. 
out there. So you're 13 years old. Yeah. You're shooting 60 pounds? Yep, 60. And 27 inches? Yeah, 27-inch draw length, yeah. So typically you wouldn't be able to shoot 111 yards. No, that yeah. Yeah, that's... So the... Uh, the brain in you has done some things to a site to get you some clearance and yep. you're machining other products for your bow, which is yeah. crazy. So let's talk about a little bit how um, you've learned to, to tinker and get your, your setup right for winning state records. Yeah. So, um, you know, tinkering's kind of, you know, in my, in my blood, dad's an engineer, um, you know, so if I, if I didn't have, you know, the parts that I needed or if, nobody made the parts I needed, we'd go, um, we have a friend with a mill and a lathe, um, and, you know, we've got a whole welding shop that we've recently built in the last couple of years, um, so, you know, we can build pretty much anything we need out of, whether wood, metal, um, we can get it done, so, yeah, like you say, I'm only shooting 60 pounds, 27 inch, 27 and a half inch draw length, I'm only shooting, you know, two, uh, 270 feet per second, and, um, yeah, I'm able to get out to um, 120 yards. This is incredible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things, Dad, of course, he shot back in the day when, you know, speed was, everybody was about, um, you know, getting getting as much speed as possible. He's actually shooting. He's got a uh, Matthews Monster 6-inch um, brace height. He's shooting 350 feet per second. That's and, incredible. And he's only got, you know, 20, 27 or, or no, 28-inch draw length. Um, of course he's almost dry firing that thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I kind of know how to get my bow, um, just from what I've learned from him, how to get my bow shooting, um, or how to get some speed out of it. Um, so I, I got, I'm shooting Victory Rip XVs, lightest shaft I can get my hands on. Um, you know, 100 grain point, uh, minimal, minimal weight, uh, you know, two inch veins, not, nothing real huge, nothing too small. Um, for hunting that is and then um yeah just you know tinkering with everything just trying to get you know the this bow it actually has um adjustable let off so i can you know i've i've turned it up to 65 percent um that helps with you know speed that helps with um accuracy a little bit because you know if you got 85 percent let off you're um you're not that arrow starting off really slow when you first let go of it. And right. then, uh, so, you know, string can kind of sag a little bit, maybe in the air. Um, and then, you know, you know, 65%, you can get a nice clean break, but yeah. So I've, I've, I'm tinkering all the time. I spend, like you say, uh, I spend 16 hours just fooling with, you know, the weight on my stabilizers, <laughs> just crazy amounts of time on, you know, my setup. And then at that much again, Plus a ton more on, you know, just getting my shot down, form. Um, you know, there's a lot of great resources on YouTube that I use. Um, learn a lot from them. Learn a lot from talking to guys around here at shoots, you know. Um, just a lot of different stuff. So you're shooting a full-length shaft. Yeah, so um, I'm shooting a 31 and a quarter inch shaft. And a lot of guys, it's like, man, why are you shooting a shaft that long? And I, because, um, you know, I only got a 27-inch draw and... It's it's all about I, I may gain you know twenty or, or well probably more than that more like thirty grains worth of weight there, but you know I found that it's worth it having an arrow you know that's that's spine right and when when you get you get a long arrow right of course it's easier easier to bend so you get a slightly weaker spine this is a four hundred grain or four hundred um, spined arrow so um, with my poundage and draw length uh, I use Archer's Advantage quite a bit. 
and um, it said that I need to shoot this shaft, you know, with 100 grains up front with, um, you know, 31 and quarter inch um, length on that shaft. And uh, it, I found that, you know, switching from an arrow that was way too stiff for me to switch into one that was the right spine, my scores increased exponentially. Like, it, it's really worth it having an arrow that's, um, an arrow that's the right spine, right forgiveness. Um, even if you're sacrificing, you know, weight, a little and, bit of weight, especially yeah. when you're trying to shoot distance, yeah. like where that weight yeah. could help you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the sp- when an arrow spine, when they calculate the spine, it's done at 28 inches. Right? Yeah. So when, um, you know, your manufacturer, um, says, yeah, this is a uh, 400 spine arrow. This is a 350 spine arrow. Uh, they take a, um, they have a, um, you know, two resting points and then i think that's spaced at about 28 inches and then they'll they have a weight that's some specific weight it's like 1.9 something um pounds and then they'll hang it on there and then 400 or 350 that's how many thousandths um of an inch that it deflects under that weight um so that's that's how they measure that but then of course soon as you cut that arrow um you know you you break a pencil that's a pencil that's full length easy to break you can't but you can't break one that's an inch long sure um so it it um the stiffness on an arrow um changes a ton when you cut it down so would you say that yours is not 400 maybe 410 420 because Um, it's longer than 28 inches um yeah so when it um yeah because since it's longer than 28 inches it's it's gonna if i you know put those two resting points on there at the end of my shaft it's gonna be more like probably 450 or so maybe maybe more than that um just because, just you know, that extra length. And, you know, if you cut it shorter than 28, of course, it's going to be a lot stiffer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the shaft I'm shooting, Rip XVs, they only make it in a um, 500 spine or 400 spine. No if they, 450s. No 450s. If if they did, I'd buy it because then I wouldn't have to shoot it at, you know, full Four. length. Um, 500 is too weak, so I'm going to be, you know, shooting a really, really short arrow, and um, I won't be able to grow into it. They'll only last sure. me, you know, as soon as my draw length goes up or... Um, anything like that, I'll I'll be throwing that dozen away, um, buying some 400s. But um, yeah. So I found that spine plays a a big part in you know how your arrow how your arrow flies. And another thing that you've done, uh, just specifically on the target side, is you've messed a lot with axle to axle on the bow. So you started with a 42 and have slightly kept decreasing. And the conversation we had yesterday about that was pretty interesting. So walk us through how you came down to, what, 37? Yeah, that's where I'm shooting now. So um, that first bow I had, the uh, Pearson Pathfinder, um, it was 28 inches axle-to-axle. So real small thing. And, of course, it's a youth bow, so you'd expect that. And, um, you know, shot it fine. Uh, And I never really paid attention to -to axle-to-axle before I started looking into um, actually purchasing a bow. I shot that. Matthew's Apex 8, and um, it had 42-inch axle-to-axle. I was just borrowing that bow because um, it was the only thing I had. Um, I, I wasn't quite ready to buy a bow. You know, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't, you know, have the information or anything. I didn't want to, you know, buy an $1,800 bow and realize that that's not what I wanted. Sure. So, um, you know, I went to Lancaster, talked to a whole bunch of the pros out there, got a lot of different you know, viewpoints on when it comes to axle to axle, picking that out. And it actually does play a big part in how your bow shoots. So um, I was talking to uh, Rio Wild, and he's like, yeah, it plays a big part in, um, you know, your anchor. You get back there, depending on where you anchor on your jaw, um, 
you know, how you like that string to touch your nose. I like mine to just barely be touching the tip of my nose. Um, so it, it all comes apart with, you know, draw length, um, the length of your loop, um, you know, picking out the axle to axle. And then, like, yeah, do I want a, a riser that's really long and heavy, or do I want a riser that's, you know, short and lightweight? Um, so, you know, it's, I ended up going with 37-inch axle to axle because I found that, um, you know, it, it lines up on my face better with my draw length. And, um, you know, I talked to Joel Turner out there, and I was shooting that Apex 8. It was, it was a 5.2-inch or 5.2-pound, um, you know, bow just without stabilizer or anything. It was really heavy, and, you know, that was too heavy for me back then. I didn't realize it, but, yeah, you get you get too much weight on there. You think, well, too much weight, what I originally thought, yeah, I want to load as much weight on there as I can, you know, get that thing as steady as possible. Well, no, that's, that's not really the case. You want, um, you want, it, you want a lot of weight on there, but not too much. You can't handle it because you get, you get too much on there. It's, you know, it, it wobbles around, does things you don't want it to do. Um, and you know, Joel Turner turned me on to shorter axle, axle bows just for, you know, the, the weight of them. Reducing they're, the weight a they're good, bit. good bit lighter. Because he wants a bow that the pin moves a little bit faster. Right? Yeah. He, um, um, I, I bought his course, listened to it there, talked to him out Langster. Um, yeah, so y he wants a pen that, you know, moves around fast because, you know, you get one that's real slow, then you get a tendency to, you know, punch it. Um, yeah. If if you're not, you know, real strict with yourself, if you're not, if you're trying to break yourself of punching it, you're already, you already have target panic. Um, you know, yeah, you want your pen to move fast so that it's it's harder to tell when that pen's in the middle, so harder to punch it. Sure. Um but you know, once you get once you get target panic out of the way for the most part, you can start switching to you know slower hold, and that's what I've um, that's what I've done. I've I've slowed my slowed my pin down a little bit, and you know I, I for a week that's I've I've never had target panic actually not since I picked it up. You know, Dad um, he really helped me coach rate at the beginning. That's some of the most important thing when you're starting out with archery. You know, having a having a good coach rate off the bat to break you of any target panic you may have um you know get get rid of that right off the bat because once once you shoot for a little bit with target panic it it gets you know ingrained into you and it's really hard to really hard to get rid of yeah, yeah. You, you shot on the course with me yesterday i'm struggling bad yeah with some target panic so um you guys are actually listening to my new archery coach so yeah. Mason's going to coach me up this year and you've already gave me a ton of tips. And one thing that you said that I'm, I'm interested to try was how you were talking about shooting without a stabilizer for a week or so, and then learning to shoot a bow without a stabilizer. And then what happens when you shoot a heavier stabilizer, what that does for your pin. So walk people through that. Yeah. So, um, I came across a video that George Riles made, um, when he was at the ATA show this year. And, um, it's a really great video. He's, um, you know, George Riles, he's all about the form. Um, he's really good at that. So I watched that and I learned quite a bit from that video. One of the things was, yeah, um, practicing without stabilizers. Um, cause you know, so I, I tried that and, uh, you know, get back there 20 yards, shoot without stabilizers first, you know, hundred arrows. I was all over the place. I couldn't keep my pin, um, within the, um, yellow on a Vegas target. Um, but then, you know, after the next day, I, I was keeping it within the 9 in the yellow. Um, next day, I was within the 10. And then um, after, you know, about a week, I was I was hold, um, able to keep it almost within the X um, without stabilizers. And then, 
you put those bars back on and it you're you're solid as as it gets you know a lot of these guys and you know the base of target panic is you know your your pin finally comes to the middle um and you want to punch it because you know that it's it's not always there it's going to leave yeah so you you get to where your hold is um, you get to where your hold is really good, and you're confident in your hold. Then you know it'll help a lot with target panic because you're not you're not really pushing to you're not you're not needing to wait for that pin to come in the middle. It's already you know already there. Sure. And but, what Joel talks about a lot is when it's in the center, the next moves out of center, and then the next moves back in center. So for me, with having target panic, when I'm in the center and I think I'm punching it, when I punch it, I'm out. Yeah. So it's it's not coming back yet, which I've I've had a lot of struggles with. So I am going to do that with taking my stabilizers off. I spent a bunch of time researching this year. Like, I got to have so much weight up front. I got to get the weight further away from my hand. Got to get it further down on my bow. And getting a stabilizer set up right to kind of think that it would cure me, where it's not really – stabilizers aren't meant to fix something. Yeah. It's only there to aid in a, what you already have. Yeah. So um, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that tip out. Um, Another thing from just talking to you is how you're actually setting your bow up and tuning your bow. And you talked about a specific kind of tuning that in 70-something episodes of this podcast, talking about archery, no one's ever mentioned to me. So I want to get into that. And I think you said you call it tiller tuning? Yeah, so um, I do a lot of tiller tuning. And actually just recently... Um, I've, I've found that, uh, tiller tuning, what tiller tuning actually does. So when you tiller tune, you're basically running in one limb bolt more than the other. And, um, that's based off of what your pin is doing at the target. You know, if your, your pin is, um, in the middle and then you're getting dips or you're, you're raising up, um, you run in one limb more than the other and that puts, um, you know, tension on the bow in a certain way that it, it stops your bow from dipping down. And I actually realized that what that's doing is moving your knocking point up and down on the string. Um, well, not on the string. Your whole cams and string and everything is moving up and down just because one limb has more pressure on it than the other. So, Or one you know, set of limbs. Sure. Um, so I actually found recently that, you know, yeah, you can you can tiller tune running in one more, but that, that can only get you so much. Um what a big thing that you can do is actually move your knocking point. So when I when I just get a bow, start setting it up, I um uh, I'll start with my knocking point in the middle, just temporarily tied in. I won't put, you know, the serving the serving in between my D loop. Um I'll just have just D loop, um, shoot it for a while. And eventually I'll get it tuned in. Maybe I run in my loop high center, low a center. Um and that all that is is tiller tuning it you know, to an extreme. Once you, once you get, um, once you get it close with that, you can only get it so close with moving your D loop. Then you go to tiller tuning and I've got it to where, you know, I'm only a 16th of a turnout on each, on each limb bolt. And a thing to, you know, keep in mind when you're tiller tuning, you want to, if you want to make an adjustment, you know, you run your top end, top bolt in a quarter turn, you want to turn your bottom one out a quarter turn just to keep the poundage the same because sure. if, if you just run one end then your poundage will go up yep. um, and then that'll affect everything but um yeah so I'll, I'll do a lot of you know tiller tuning and that plays a you know a big part in the hold of my bow if have you found that when you're backing out the limb bolt that your bow acts any differently the the old adage was 
the bow was the most efficient with the limb bolts all the way cranked down. Have it, you seen any negative effects to that? Yeah, so um, I, I agree that, yeah, that bow is, you know, built to be, you know, all the way all the way screwed in there. So it's it's built to shoot like that, and I have no doubt that it is more efficient that way. But, you know, once you run, if if your manufacturer makes a 60-pound um, 60, 60 limb on your, for your bow, um, you know, I assume that's 60 pounds all the way cranked in. Um, so it'll shoot with, you know, I'm making up a number here, 75% efficiency um, when it's all the way down in there. And then maybe you back that, back that limb out to 50 pounds, well, maybe you're only at 70% efficiency there. I, there's no way to know because you're, or there's no way for me to tell. Maybe there's, I'm sure there's a way sure. to, to measure that. But, um, you know, because you're backing that limb out, losing the poundage there. So, of course, you're going to shoot slower. Um, now, I don't know if there, there's, I'm sure there's a way to, you know, measure the efficiency on that. But, um, yeah, so if, if I buy a bow, and I know this is going to be an indoor bow, you know, a lot of guys will shoot. Um, 60 pounds indoor that seems to be a good number um yeah i'll buy 60 pound limbs versus 70 pound limbs and then backing them out to 60 just because you know the efficiency yeah the efficiency and um that can do a lot when you know you get to indoor and you're shooting the 27 diameter shafts like those huge things you can you can't hardly find a, a shaft that big that's you know weak enough to get it um get it to spine right back to forgiveness um archer advantage like i would highly recommend that i think um to start out now it's only 12 dollars a year that's fantastic. um and then after that's only 15 bucks a year i mean that's netflix subscription <laughs> i mean i i use this tenfold of netflix like <laughs> yeah like it's it's a great investment use it all the time but um it can really help it can really help with your um your shop but um yeah so you know I would say yeah, I would say that when you're tiller tuning and maybe you lose a little bit of efficiency, it's probably more important to be able to hold the pin where you need it to go than to have a more efficient bow. Yeah, when it comes to, um, you know, you're you're going from you know deer hunting, you're hitting a pipe plate at twenty yards. Um, th- that's one thing. But when you're shooting, you know, indoor, you're hitting a penny at twenty yards, or you're here at tack shoot and you're trying to hit, you know a soft or a baseball at 111 yards like your hold is far more important than you know speed or efficiency so um you know when impact where you impact is um very very important and it's it's pretty much the only thing that matters when it comes to target archery now hunting um efficiency is you know very important because you know you want to get you want to get that full pass through on a deer and you want to you want to be able to you know whack that animal good but um yeah, so when you're hunting versus target, you have different, you know, priorities. Per- different needs from yeah. your bow. Yeah. So, um, speaking of hold, taking the stabilizers off, putting them back on, what is your stabilizer setup for your target bow? Yeah, so my um indoor bow, I uh I have a I wanna say thirty two inch bar in the front, sixteen in the back. So I'm shooting shooting, you know, pretty long bars. Um and, you know, a lot of guys are like, oh no, I don't, I don't like a really long bar because you know you get some flex in them once you get them that long. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would disagree with that. I think that, yeah, you may get a little bit more flex out of them the longer bar you get, but I think it makes up for it in the um, what you get out of the hold of the bow because you know when you're that bar may you know flex more, but mm-hmm. 
it's it's really helping your hold. It's doing a lot a lot more for your hold than um maybe maybe you get more feedback. Having a short bow. Yeah, whatever. Short bar. Um yeah, so I shoot um relatively longer bars. Um and I actually put a good bit of weight on them. So um you know, I me mean, I shoot every day, 100 plus arrows a day. Um so I've I've built I've built my muscles up to handle, you know, a really heavy bow. Um When you say like, really heavy, how heavy? Do uh, I don't have an exact measurement. I'm I'm shooting super RTX, 37 inch axle axles. You can look up the weight of that, and then, you know, I'm shooting four ounces in the front of my long bar and 14 in the back. Wow. So, um, that and that's a lot. That's too much for you know most guys, and um, that was too much for me. You know, just a few months ago, uh, like if you look at my back, one side of my back is a lot bigger than the other, <laughs> just from you know the muscle that's built up on that one side from holding all that weight. Yeah. And um, so, uh. I've, you know, Joel Turner, he's like, yeah, you definitely don't want too much weight on that bow because it can, it can um, cause some problems. Mm-hmm. Like you can't control a bow that's too heavy. So if, if you're worried about your bow being too heavy, just take off the weight, you know, you just like, you know, draw length, like a lot of guys. Um, yeah, if your draw length's too long, it's far worse than, you know, if your draw length is an inch too short, that's better than it being half an inch too long. Yeah. Um, like. That's it's the same with weight. It's you'd rather be way under under a good weight than over it because it can it can really screw up your your shooting ability. There's uh, supposedly like a ratio to weight in the front versus weight in the back. You're obviously not following that. How did you come to 14 in the back, and four in the front? Yeah. So um, when you talk about the ratio, so I uh. A lot of guys just say one to two, um, maybe even one to four. Um, so what I do, I actually put a ton, a ton of time into the weight on my bars and getting my bars tuned in, you know, as, as best as I can. So I'll spend actually, you know, two or three eight-hour days in the barn just shooting, trying to get the weight on my bars right. And um, even after that, I'll be adjusting them, say, um, you know, later on I get a um, certain bobble or whatever, then, yeah, maybe I'll add an ounce here or there or take off an ounce, but, um, yeah, so, like, I'll take, and I'll start with one ounce in the front, and maybe four in the back, and then I'll try five in the back, six in the back, seven in the back, with keeping that one ounce in the front, and then I'll get all the way out to, you know, 16 or 17 in the back, and say, yep, none of those, I didn't like any of that, those combinations there, so then I'll start back over with four in the back, and two in the front, and then I'll go back all the way out to, you know, 17, 18 ounces, and then, you know, just keep going. I'll, um, I, I was shooting three and, uh, or actually two in the front and seven in the back for, um, um, a couple of these indoor shoots I've been going to lately, um, you know, months ago. But, um, yeah, that seemed, that seemed to work for me then. But now, you know, I'm shooting four in the front, 14 in the rear. Um, so there's not really a, a given ratio that you can follow. It's, it's just, you know, you got to, Go out there and play with it. See what you like. Um, what happens do you, when you're trying to f- figure that out? Are you paying attention to what your pin's doing or what the bow feels like to you? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I first started fooling with my stabilizer, I was just it was guessing pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some guys would say, yeah, if you're getting your pins going left and right, you add an ounce in a certain place here or there. Um, I found that that doesn't tend to work. How how I've learned to do it now is, you know, I can take I can take my bars and start out with, you know, one ounce in the front, four in the back and say, 
just based on how that pin moves. Um, and I'll get more detailed here after this. But um, based on how that pin moves, I can say, yeah, I need to add you know three ounces back here and maybe an ounce or two up front. Um, I can get it pretty close just doing that. Um, now that I've you know I've had plenty of experience um, fooling with that. So what I do is you know back at 20 yards. Um, that's a good place. Good place you know practice your hold. Um, I'll take so if if your pin is vibrating now, if you have target panic or you're you know worried about getting target panic, you know maybe you don't want very much front weight because so I get back there my pins you know vibrating. Um, I'm gonna add weight to the front until it just stops vibrating and then I'll quit adding weight to the front. Um, that just gets rid of you know the the vibration the variance there. Um, then so so adding I found that adding weight to the front gets rid of you know vibration. And then um, adding weight to the back gets rid of what I call bobble. And all that is is um, your pin, you know, wandering around like this. Like uh, an eight, like a figure eight Yeah, figure something. eight, whatever pattern it's moving in, um, it, it gets rid of that. So, uh, you know, add until you can get as much of that away as possible. And I found that, you know, um, I can add too much. And I've, I've, I'm able to tell now what is too much before I didn't know that, I, I was adding too much weight, but, um, you know, you, you kind of get to a point where it's like, yeah, I, I'm at an ounce, you know, if I'm at six ounces right now, add an ounce, there's, you know, I can tell there's a big difference there. Get out to, you know, 15 ounces, add an ounce, there's hardly any difference. I'm like, yeah, that's probably too much. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I put tons and tons of effort into, you know, get my bars right and then I'll play with you know the angle of my front bar and the angle of my um, kicker bar um, and you know that plays a big part in it too I know a lot of guys um, and I do too like they'll run their bar their uh, kicker bar they'll run it you know in and out left and right based on how their level um, how their level is doing so yeah you know pull back there have your eyes closed um, just see where the bubble is and then um Based on that, you'll move your bar in or out just to get it so that when you draw back, your bubble is automatically in the middle. So you don't have to torque the bow to get the Yeah, so you don't have to, you know, use arm muscles to turn that bow back to where it's level. And that's the big thing with archery, you know. Um, you want to use as little amount of muscle as you can. Like, some guys, they'll shoot a grip where they have all their fingers off, like sticking out straight like that. And, um... You know, I, I don't like a grip like that because you're using forearm muscles to extend those fingers. You're tensing your forearm. Yeah, tensing your forearm. And um you know, muscles are inconsistent and everybody's are. You can't you can't help that. Um, you know, some guys they'll they'll grab their index trigger like this and um, you know, you're using muscles for that and I don't like that. So I try to relax everything that I can when I'm shooting. Um, when it when it comes to my, my arms and stuff. Now sure. like I'll tense my legs if it's windy out and different stuff like that, and that's that's pretty in depth when it comes to um, you know outdoor shooting in the wind. There's a lot of different stuff you can do for that, but um, so you know back to back to bars, and then I'll uh, I'll play with my front stabilizer. Um, so I'll I'll try it. This bow actually has two front stabilizer holes, two different ones, and I see I'm looking at your Hoyt over there right now. It has two different holes up there. Yep. So um. You know, I tried in the um, top hole with no, um, you know, angle down. Some you can get quick disconnects that, um, you know, ten degree, ten degree um, straight down. Um, so I'll try 
I'll try first. I'll try with my bar um, um, ten degree offset up even, and um, depending on how your bow is, that that bar may run into your arrow. So I that's the reason why I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and it it looks wonky, but it can actually hold pretty good. And I found that um, you know, it wasn't a bad hold with that bar that front bar going up. Um, so then I try with that front bar going straight out of the top hole. Then I try with it going down out of the top hole. And then I do all that again with the bottom hole. So, um, you know, playing with the angle of your bars, um, can, can, you know, make a big difference when it comes to, um, hold two. So people say, um, when you're starting, the goal would be to get the weight as far away from your hand as possible. Have you found that to work for you? Um, yeah, so, you know, when you're just starting out, you don't have the, you know, experience, and you don't have the, um, even, even you know, you're a power lifter, you just start shooting a boat, your, your muscles that you use to shoot a boat, like, it's, it's really hard to work those muscles out, you know, go to the gym, and I'm going to work on whatever to try to make you shoot better. I, I think that there's very few, you know, actual, um, Substitutes. Yeah, substitutes for actually shooting your bow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that yeah, shooting your bow is the best way to build your muscle. Um, if you're if you're looking to shoot, you know, more poundage, you you want a better hold. Um, I found that actually, you know, if you're sitting there watching TV late at night, too dark to go outside and shoot, you can take you know a milk jug, just hold it up there for you know as long as you can, and then sit down, do it with the other arm, just so you're not all whopper jawed like I am in my back, <laughs> and um. Yeah, so that's that is a good way to um, practice. Um, a guy from the bow shop, I'm close friends with him, Kurt Naistetler. He actually won Lancaster this year. Um, he did that back in his back in you know before he shot competitively a whole lot. Um, he actually had you know one of the best holds that you're ever going to see. Randy Morocco, he um, or the uh, owner of the local bow shop there, he had Randy Morocco come in and coach all the guys that were there. He's local to us. Yeah, he's local to us right here. Um, I see him at all the, you know, Ohio Archer shoots. Um, he seems to be a real good guy, Randy does. But anyway, so years ago, he came into the local bow shop, coached all the guys there. Well, Kurt was um, there, and, you know, Kurt had he had a really, really good hold. You know, he at one point, he wasn't leaving the X, and his pin wasn't leaving the X. And, you know, he didn't. That was just from the sheer muscle that he had. That is insane. Yeah. He, like, he didn't even, you know, have – uh, a ton of weight on there. He didn't like put the amount of effort that like I do into my bars. Um, he just had you know sheer muscle build up back there from shooting so much and you know holding that milk jug up there at the TV while he's watching it. And um, so that's that's something you can do. I know there's uh, bow trainers or whatever that you can buy, um, and you know those those work to some some degree. Um, I know some guys use that to try to break themselves with target panic. I think that that's the wrong use of that because, you know, target panic is only there because of the way that your pin moves. And, you know, it's just when it's over the X, you want to punch it. Mm-hmm. Um, that recoil bracing is is what I call target panic. So, um, you know, that's what uh, Joel Turner actually calls it. That's where I got that term, um, recoil bracing. So, punching it is you know you're back there that pins right on the x you go to squeeze it off and you know your arm flinches or this arm back here flinches um that's what that's what punching it is to me it's not squeezing the trigger on command is not punching it as long as you're not you know flinching while doing it and you know you see guys up there and 
they flinch a lot, and you can see that. Um, see guys up there, they still punch it, but they're not flinching visible. It goes um, where it needs to go. Yeah, so I've I've kind of come to learn, or the way the style that I shoot, I shoot a um, or I shot an index trigger for a long time, and I shot that really really well. And um, you know, I I just recently since I got this um, thirty seven inch axle axle bow, um, I recently switched to a uh, knock to it knock on release um, thumb button, and I found that that release works better with the string angle that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been shooting it, and you know, I've I've kind of I don't want to call it command shooting because I know some of these guys they command shoot and it's really punching because they'll they'll be streaky. Some days they shoot really good, some days they shoot really bad, um, and it's because they still have that flinch involved with the squeezing of the trigger. So, um, I you know I've even seen guys punch a uh, hinge, punch a hinge style release, and you're like, there's no way you can punch a hinge. Well, you can, yeah, <laughs> but um, so you know I've I kind of the way I shoot is you know that. That pin's starting to drift towards the X. I start squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. By the time it's there, I've got my timing down. Um, so that by the time it's over the X, it's gone. And you know, it's I hit where the pin is. You know, every time now. Yeah. I'm I'm not like a lot of guys will say. Yeah, I got a group at 50 yards. That's you know like this or whatever. Like, okay, that's good. But maybe your pin is you know within a dime every time that arrow fires. Well, you're not really shooting that good because your arrow's not hitting where the pin is. I think that in archery, that's that's you know your main goal. You want to hit where the pin is. Um, if if you can do that, you know you've got ninety five percent of it down. Like if you can hit where that pin is every time, that's you know you've accomplished a lot. Um, but you know, so then you get into all the hold stuff, just getting that pin where you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then it comes to releases. You know, if you've got target panic, I would highly recommend, you know, resistance release um, because, you know, punching it, you know, you may have that little bit of recoil bracing there where you flinch, but, you know, it's, it's, you're doing the right motion when you go to, you know, there's, so. The only way to make it go off is by by pulling through the shot. Pulling through the shot, yeah, and that's, that's, um. A good a good habit so like you get get guys trying to get rid of their um get rid of the target panic by shooting a uh you know a thumb button or a hinge well a hinge it's just a trigger that's activated in a different way yep. um and you know i guess a resistance is the same way but you know when you're executing that shot you know rotating your hand like this you know that that doesn't really help your shot at all or squeezing your trigger doesn't help the shot it's but you know pulling through with that resistance release that, you know, that helps your shot, gives you a cleaner break. So if you're trying to, if you're trying to, you know, help yourself get rid of target panic, I would highly recommend getting a uh, resistance release. And, you know, that's what we may practice with you with um, a little bit down, down when you come to my place to um, get a little bit of coaching. But uh, yeah, so, so that's, you know, that's a big thing when it comes to pushing and pulling on your bow. Um, A lot of guys still, they'll get back there and they'll pull as hard as you can against that wall. And, you know, it gives you a really clean break. Um, and I I would do that if I could. When I get to pulling against that back wall, I start shaking. And, I'm, um, I, that's So it's interesting you said that because I felt like I'm alone in that because that's why I feel like I can't do it because my bow's just going like this. Yeah. Because I'm pulling so hard. And I'm like, why isn't this? And then, it like, I just can't do it. Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, so if I get to pulling hard on that back wall, um, I start shaking, and that's what you know. Dad, he was a finger shooter when he 
um, you know, won the nationals and different stuff back in the day. He was a, a compound finger shooter. And, you know, the compounds back then, they had a real mushy wall. So you get back there and you could pull through that shot. You could actually, you know, you'd move your arrow across that rest, you know, quarter inch, some guys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now with the bows they got now, they got such a hard back wall um, that, you know, you can't really pull through it so much as, you know, just put pressure against that back wall. So, you know, I, I'm so back to, you know, pulling against that back wall hard, you're causing yourself to shake, which can cause target panic. So I'm like, okay, I just won't pull as hard. Still, same thing. Um, so I get back there, and, you know, I just put a little bit of pressure against it. Um, I don't increase that pressure at all throughout my shot. Um, like I know Dad, he likes to increase that pressure. And I don't know if that's because that's just how he shot back in the day and you can't get rid of that habit. Um, you know, he can shoot good with that, and that's that's good for him. You know, that's what archery is all about is, you know, what works for you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you what I do to um, make myself shoot better, but you may be totally different. And um, that's how it works with everybody. You know, nobody can... Like, you look at the pros, like, yeah, so Levi Morgan, yeah, he shoots really good. Well, if he shoots that good, then I'm going to shoot just like him, and then I'll be that good. Well, you know, how he does it may not work for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, and that's, that's what I found with a lot of guys is, yeah, I can't shoot like them and shoot as good because, you know, that just doesn't work for me. So when you're you have even pressure on the back wall, so it's all triggered by motion, just the motion of your back muscles. Yeah, so, um, you know, I watch a lot of Jake Kaminsky on um, YouTube, so he is a great resource um, when it comes to, you know, form um, or, you know, executing the shot, I'd say. So he's actually an Olympic recurve shooter, um, but, you know, 90% of recurve stuff carries over into compound, and, you're, and, you know, some of it you get a little bit lost, but he's got some really good, um, you know, courses on YouTube of just, uh, you know, he's got a form series, he's got a tuning series. Um, he's got a really good video that actually that, you know, explains stabilizers. I, I would highly recommend watching that if you're looking to, um, you know, do kind of like what I do with my stabilizers, really fine-tuning those. Um, so he's a great resource on YouTube. You know, there's several other guys that um, are real real good when it comes to, you know, learning about that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to pulling through the back wall, uh, I mean, yeah, if you can, if you've got, you know, an older bow, um, and it does have a little bit of a mushy back wall. I would, yeah, definitely pull through it because, you know, even if you do get a little bit of shake out of that, I think that it's worth it because, you know, maybe you can get your hit or your uh, arrow to hit where the pin is more often. Or um, even if your um, pin isn't in the X as much, you're still getting, you know, a better a better group because you're um, hitting where the pin is. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, but, you know, like I say, I don't really pull through. I just get back there, get in the valley, um, and then, you know, keep tension on it. The worst thing you could do is, you know, not have tension back there. That that can lead to a lot of problems. Um, there's where, like, you know, I'm not really a fan of these hunting bows now that only offer 80% let off. Because, um, you know, you get back there and only 80%, you know, you're back there pretty much limp. You get lazy. Yeah, you get lazy really easily. And, um... So if, if when you go to purchase a new bow, you get a or you get a new mod or whatever, I would highly recommend you going with that, you know, seventy five or if they offer sixty five. That's what I shoot my target bow. Do you hunt with that? Um, I that's well, sixty five. I hunt with, uh, yeah, I hunt with sixty five. That's incredible. Um, and you know, I get back. I was turkey hunting this spring. Um, 
you know, I drew back a couple times, never fired a shot, um, never, you know, came within range or whatever the case was. But I drew back actually three times this season, and I was really fortunate to do so. But, um, yeah, get back there. I was holding it for, you know, 60 seconds, and 65% let off. That's, that's, that's a lot. I was getting pretty shaky back there. Um, but, you know, it's I think that it's worth it in what you get out of the where your arrow impacts. Yeah. Um, now maybe you, you get to deer hunting now and it all depends on what kind of hunting you do. If you get deer hunting and you're, you know, hunting real thick stuff. And when you see those deer, you're only going to be, you know, 10 yards from them. Then maybe you do want to go with that 75% let off or maybe even 80, just so you can, um, just so you can hold it back there long enough to, um, you know, execute that shot or whatever happens. But, um, I would recommend getting as much holding weight as possible as, that, that as, is, uh, the best advice that I was given to this point for increasing my accuracy. Yeah. And that was, I'm shooting 80. Well, I didn't know what was happening. I had, I bought a new bow and I just was, I was like, I can't shoot this thing. I can't shoot it. I don't know what's going on. And someone told me to change the let off. I said, you're shooting 85 and it only seems like it's a 5% difference from 80 to 85. Yeah. But it's really a lot more when you, you think of yeah. how much weight you're holding. If you go from holding 14 pounds to 7 pounds, that's a 50% increase. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so this bow that I have now and a lot of the uh, target bows now, um, you can adjust the let off on that. So I've played with that a lot, you know, adjusting let off when I found that, yeah, I want as much holding weight as possible. And actually... You know, for indoor, what I might do is, you know, because you're, um, I I try to make my shot go off, you know, as quick as possible. I don't want to get back there and hold for, you know, you know, some of these guys they'll hold back there for twenty or thirty seconds, and it's like, oh, I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I just want to get back there, you know, make the shot happen. Um, and you know that carries over into hunting. You know, draw back on that deer. Dad got to where he can draw back anchor and make that shot go off in four seconds that's incredible he um yeah he he does that you know on a deer he'll he shot a uh 184 inch deer you know just five minutes from house there a couple years ago drew back there had that arrow gone in four seconds um and you know that's what it takes sometimes on these whitetail you don't want to get back there and hold and hold and hold um and and then again sometimes you have to um you know if you get a deer that you know walks behind a tree and stands there for a few seconds um so you know it's it's all what you can handle, and you know if you're um, you're older or you're younger and you can't you can't hold that bow back, then yeah, totally go with the light, lighter holding weight, just because you know it'll make your shooting experience better. Sure. And that's you know that's a big thing when it comes to archery. Um, the only reason I'm I'm as good as I am, and um, it's it's because I have fun with it. Like, you know, I I never really had a uh, hobby until archery. Like, um, you know, I, of course I did hunt a little bit with crossbow and, um, I did some different stuff, but yeah, like archery, I spend you know, 95% of my free time. Like I don't do any video games, rarely watch TV. I, you know, I haven't sat down and like really watched TV, you know, for months. Like really, like I spend all my time on archery and, um, hunting and doing that kind of stuff. Has your success in competitive archery increased your passion for hunting um yeah i mean it's i i think that i i enjoy you know you know the archery end of things you know i i really enjoy it and you know i guess as i as i do some more hunting um because you know i've only been shooting for you know under two years so i haven't you know been 
uh, shooting a compound bow for very many hunting seasons. Right. So I haven't had, you know, the experience hunting to really say, yeah, I, I love this kind of hunting and I love doing this and doing that. Um, I did go, you know, uh, elk hunting with my dad when I was eight years old. And, um, of course I wasn't hunting, but I, I was there, you know, to go along. And it was I, still to this day, I think that was some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Like it's just a phenomenal exter- experience. Like some of you guys that, you know, have, uh, turkey hunted a lot and you know um it's like turkey hunting on steroids it's crazy <laughs> but um yeah so you know as long as you're having fun with it that's the main thing is because if you're having fun then you have the you're not like oh man i gotta go out tonight when shoot my bow try to get my hold better it's like oh man but i'm like yeah yeah i get to go out there and you know try try this new thing or try that new thing yeah. it's like um you know i really do try to have fun with it i i do but speaking of having fun you shot how many courses here? Um, so, uh, so far I've shot uh, four courses here at, um, in a little bit. I'm going to shoot um, my fifth this weekend. Uh, I shot two yesterday. First course I shot was Knock On um, here at Tech. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, they're all, they've all been really good courses. You know, Knock On was a little more challenging. There's, um, there's, some pretty technical shots there there's and some of them real fun there's one you know it's just like a tree stand shot you're standing up you know foot from the edge of this like rock cliff pretty much it's was, it was a really fun shot you know there's a lot of several different you know real fun shots actually the first one on the course 101 yard uh sasquatch and you know it, john dudley was there and he's like yeah if you if you get an arrow in there closer than my arrow then um you get a prize and actually that's what that's where i got this um cup here um, is from actually beating him on that. So, you know, it's a tack, tack shoot is really, really fun. If you, um, have the ability to shoot, you know, a hundred yards, um, it's, it's really worth, you know, coming here. It's, and you get a lot of practice, you know, for hunting and, um, you can meet a lot of like people that give you tons of tips. Like that's what I did like at Lancaster by when I went to Lancaster classic, I shot, I talked to so many people just the way I thought about archery totally changed just after you know a couple days of being around like um different pros and getting their what their thoughts are on certain things like you know coming here and like don't be afraid to go and you know talk to john dudley or or chris b or whoever's here um because you know they're they're friendly guys they're nice guys so they might give you a couple tips that you know can really change your game did john give you any tips out there uh no he didn't give me any tips because you beat him and you didn't need any yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i'm sure if i'd asked he would have been yeah right on it yeah sure um yeah do this thing or do that but um yeah so you know if you're struggling with something don't don't be afraid you know ask somebody for help sure that's you know that's the first thing in you know, improving yourself is, you know, admitting to, yeah, I'm, I'm bad. I need some help. But, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, me. Yeah. I'm so, admitting it. I need help. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, but the biggest thing, yeah, you know, just have fun with it. Do, if if you feel like shooting becomes a burden, you know, just Give it a quit rake. shooting for a little bit until it becomes like, you know, pick it back up a couple weeks later. Say, yeah, this is this is more fun now that I took a break from it for a little bit. But, you know, whatever, whatever makes you happy. That happened to me um, here. So I told you, I'm, I was mentally like bad with target panic and I didn't want to shoot anymore because of it. And a guy came to the booth and handed me a silverback tension release. And he was like, go shoot this. And then I shot a couple arrows and I was like, man, I just want to shoot a bunch now. Yeah. And then I took five shots with that thing. And now I'm, I'm able to put my thumb on the trigger a little longer. So I think if I keep practicing with that, but yeah. I think, um, 
one of the coolest things that I think that you have that I think a lot of people don't have is you're, you're cool, calm, collected. You, it's hard to rattle you. It's hard to get in your head. And like the mental state, that's something that's like some people just have it and some people don't. Yeah. And, and you know, it's everybody, everybody can have a mental game and, you know, everybody can, you know, improve their mental game. And, you know, I shot indoor. That was the only thing, you know, I shot for um, a year. And if if you've got a local bow shop that does indoor league all winter, you know, I would, like, that's probably one of the most important things that you can do is, you know, indoor really improves your, your shot, just standing there making the shot. You know, 3D, yeah, you're you're making the shot, but you're also trying to, you know, pick out where I need to aim on the target. You're, you're fooling with a lot of extra variables that you're putting your mind on on versus you know just the shot so like i say i do a lot of indoor and you know if i hadn't done all that indoor i wouldn't be where i am today you know after two years you know i i can confidently say that i can beat you know most grown men and i (laughs) i've i know that i can um you know there there's where it comes down to you know practice and just shooting every day can really do a lot for you but um and then when it comes to yeah i see that that new release. If if you think that that's gonna make you a better shot, you know, don't hesitate to buy that release, and because it'll it'll just make your shooting experience more fun if you shoot better with it. If like one thing that um, I shoot that I shot that uh, trigger that I shot so good with, it was a, a double sear trigger. Um, it was the uh, Stan Extinction Two. That's uh, it's discontinued now, but um, you know. I, if I go to shoot, you know, a uh, single sear um, trigger, like a roller sear or whatever, I, I can't shoot it because I get target panic just like that. Mm. Even I do, you know, from shooting a bad release. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I can feel that thing creep and I can feel it move. And, um, But, you know, getting a solid release is, um, when it comes to equipment, that may be one of the most important things is having a release that, you know, works for you and that, you know, you can adjust. Um, if you're... What what I did actually, one of the guys from the bow shop had a uh, um, true ball. Let me think, abyss extension flex or whatever it was. Um, it was a uh, it was a thumb button and a resistance release. You can switch it back and forth, and you can adjust everything on that thing. You can adjust, you know, the angle of the um, all the fingers were adjustable. You know, just how how it was built. Um, now it's it's pretty pricey. I wouldn't recommend it. You know, if you're just getting into archery, just because you know. You may find that, yeah, I don't like thumb button releases. Um, but, you know, yeah, so I think that getting a quality release is, you know, one of the first steps when it comes to equipment because, you know, any bow that's newer than 20 years old now is a consistent bow. Yeah. Now, whether it feels nice or looks nice, um, I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're just starting out, I think that, you know, getting, getting any bow will work. Sure. You know, any bow will work. And I shot... Um, with that Pearson, you know, I was shooting groups like this at 80 yards. Like, like you can't ask for anything better than like that. Yeah. It was a, a youth Pearson bow from, you know, 16 years ago now. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's not like bows haven't become any more consistent. Now, maybe they do feel better. Maybe they do, um, you know, hold better. But, yeah, like, they, they can still make an arrow. You know, you put it in a hooter shooter. Yeah, they'll still hit the same yeah. spot every time. Yeah. Um, 
you know, as long as you got um, your Hooter Shooter tuned in. And so that, th- there's where it comes down to the uh, Hooter Shooter talk. So um, we uh, actually purchased a Hooter Shooter, um, you know, a couple years ago or maybe uh, probably a year now. Um, so what we did was, you know, mounted it down to cardboard or not cardboard, uh, plywood and, uh, you know, put some put some weight on it. And they're like, okay, yeah, this will this will good. And you know, it's kind of a flimsy structure the way they're built, but they um, really are. Yeah, so you shoot, and that whole thing vibrates, and you're like, ugh. But you know, you we were getting you know pretty bad groups actually. Like I could shoot a better group than my hooter shooter could, and um, it kind of kind of made me angry because it's like, man, we spent all this money on some to you know be able to knock tune stuff. Well, turns out it was just the way that we were using it. So um, you know, the main thing to getting your hooter shooter to work is mounting it to something solid. So what was happening with when you mount it to plywood is, you know, it, it would vibrate and do, do do different things, but, um, just getting it solid. And then if you're worried about your bow, you think your bow's doing something that, you know, is not you. Like if you're worried about your bow being inconsistent, then yeah, maybe you buy a hooter shooter, a bow Smith, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a pretty big investment, but, um, you know, if you think that eventually you're going to be, you want to be, you know, like a big target archer and, um, yeah, buy buy one right off the bat, and um, you know it it can really help you um increase your confidence and your knowing your equipment. Is yeah, solid. knowing your equipment that's a that's a big um that's a big thing. You know, if you're not confident in your equipment, then you're not going to shoot worth of crap. Because yeah. yeah, but um, <laughs> so yeah, um, and then um, you know, just you know, like I say, just get a good release. It's it's worth the money, you know. Some of these releases, you know, two three hundred dollars, you know, like you're like, man, that's that's insane for a little chunk of metal that fits in your hand. But uh, you know, it's all it's all about what you like. Um, and like you said, it could it could make a difference between having a good one and a bad one. Yeah. Just in the like yeah. target panic, but um, so we have you got to shoot, you got to get shooting, and I'm gonna be coming down and spending a lot of time with you. So we're going to record more, and I, I want to go into um, there's the, you talked about the bobble and how you got rid of that and how you're yep. playing with that. So I'd like to talk to more of you about that and some more arrow things because I geek out on that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I do a lot with arrows too. Yeah. Like I'm, we're kind of known as the arrow guys. Me, yeah. me and Dad are amongst our friends. But So I look forward to doing all that, and then um, you're going to give me some tips. But before we stop this, give me um, – one tip for your your biggest tip you've ever been given in your progression in archery for someone else that is looking to become a better archer, whether it's for hunting or for target. What is the best piece of advice you can give someone right now? Um, you know, if there's a couple different ones that that would really help. You know, I know probably my main tip would be, um, you know, watch some watch some videos like, um. Joel Turner, his his course is really worth it for guys with target panic. Um, Jake Kaminsky on YouTube, he does a lot of um, good stuff with form. George Riles, um, you know, watch some watch some videos that um, you know good coaches make, and um, you can learn a ton from those. And um, you know, just have fun with it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I dig it, Mason. Good luck on the course today. Thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, if, thank you. Um, are you on Instagram? Uh, no, I'm not. So if anyone has any questions <laughs> for Mason, hold on to them. And um, if you have, ask me, and then I'll pass them on when I go down to get coached. So um, 
I look forward to hearing how the rest of the summer goes for you, and good luck out there. Yeah. Um. And yeah, if you have any questions, uh, my dad has Instagram. There we go. Bow hunting and high whitetails. Um. Yeah. It, it'd be uh, Andrew or Dad that responds, and they may ask me about that question. So um, yeah, if you got any questions, feel free to um. Hit, hit us up on Instagram. Bowhunting Ohio Whitetails. All right, guys. Yep. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Yep.